This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. We're here until 10, we're here until midnight. I'm trying to get this off early, Gordon. Here on 98.7 <laughs> The show's ESPN. already over. Oh, look at That's that. That's it. How do you like that? <laughs> Hi, Gordon. How are you? Larry, how are we doing tonight, my friend? We're, we're doing pretty good, considering. We're doing yeah. pretty good. Um, but listen, for you, it's name that Yankee. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Well, I'll take whoever is going to be willing to contribute. Anybody who's willing to contribute to the cause, and it wasn't like with the the cups were un- running over tonight. Uh, no, it was no. it was uh, the the runs are still tough to come by. Yankees don't have any problems making excuses, at least from the front <laughs> office. But the runs, those are a little tougher to come by. But you know, maybe look, I do not think that this Yankee lineup is good. I've gone on record as saying that repeatedly. I think most people that watch this team on a regular basis know the lineup is a bad lineup by all metrics and measures, even with Aaron Judge. It's not a good lineup. It's just that Aaron Judge is so awesome. But you'd still have to say there are guys in this lineup who have underperformed and have to be better than the way they've been. Stanton, Torres, Rizzo. So at least one of those guys, and I guess Glaber had a hit tonight as well, but Rizzo mm-hmm. having three hits tonight, yes. maybe this is a sign that whatever has been going on with him, he is finally starting to snap out of, I would think, the coldest cold streak he's had in his baseball career. Yeah, and Stanton still looks lost. He still he does, He still yes. looks lost. He's yeah. still it's starting to get booze. But well, here's the one I mean, thing. How, how would you not? You're, you're the highest paid guy, or I don't know how it breaks down, but he's one of the highest paid guys on the team in the lineup, and he's done nothing. I mean, he has mm-hmm. been atrocious. Now, maybe they rushed him back too quickly, and it does seem like in his career, when he's really, really cold, that means that a hot streak is around the corner, but he has been absolutely atrocious. So, yeah, you're going to – and he is – for all the ups and downs that Giancarlo Stanton has had here, he has handled that about as perfectly as yep. anyone can with the amount of times he has been down in the dumps. So let's hope that uh, it's Rizzo today starting to break out of it. Let's hope it's uh, Stanton tomorrow that starts to break out of it. Yeah, absolutely. And unfortunately, um, he's done a great job because it's happened a lot. And as a Yankee mm-hmm. man, you wish you wish you had – you know what you'd say? Listen, maybe once in a while it happens, you know, everybody goes into slumps. But it just it just seems like whenever he comes back from injury, Gord, it takes him a long time to get back into the swing of things. Yeah, and and given with what his numbers were last year and how he looks this year and the type of hitter that he is where he's he's providing you one thing. He's providing you power, and that's about it. He doesn't play the field anymore. He doesn't have speed. He's not a good glove. He's not. Uh, he's not going to work too many walks. His on base percentage is two fifty, mm. which is atrocious. Mm. So if he's not hitting home runs, he's not really doing a whole lot. And when you take the whole uh, the whole picture into it, last year and this year, you do have to worry. Uh, if, is this is this what it's going to start to look like now? Yeah. Even when he does have a hot streak, are the hot streaks going to be not as extensive as they were in the past? And and this is more of what you're looking at because he's still signed for four more years after this, oh Larry. Oh, God. Four, four more? Four more years after this. So they got to figure out what the heck is going on with him and get it turned around. If it's another IL stint, so be it. Yeah. I, I would almost feel better if he was hurt. Yeah, that would explain it a little bit better than this. This is this is atrocious. We're listening to K on on their show. Uh, you know the Michael K show. Michael I've heard Ryan of it. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, three to seven Monday through Friday here on ninety eight seven ESPN. Michael seems to think that he needed more than one rehab start. Like that he really needed to, but they were in such a rush, I guess, to get him back into the lineup, Gordon, because they were struggling. 
they felt like you know let's get him back. But you know maybe as it turns out, maybe he did need a couple of more couple of more uh, hits and against live <laughs> yeah. pitching. Well, well, it certainly wouldn't have hurt. Now that we know the results, no. it certainly wouldn't have hurt because this yeah. is this is not it. Whatever he's doing right now is not working. So you have to hope that uh, if he doesn't get woken up, Billy McKinney can keep it rolling for there a couple. <laughs> That's all we need. We just need Billy McKinney. We need to rely on Billy McKinney more often. Whatever works. Whatever works. And uh, listen, that's one of the things Cashman does well. These unknown guys. They, yeah, they, for a little you know, while, sure. For a little while, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit, little bit here, a little bit there. One guy wanes off, another guy picks up. You know, right now Willie Calhoun is not hitting well, but now you got McKinney doing something. So look, that's it. Take it takes the whole team, Gordon, to get you to get you some uh, a win. It takes the whole team, and that's what you got tonight. Before the game, uh, Brian Cashman spoke, mm-hmm. and. Um, <laughs> When I heard Brian Cashman was speaking to them, I'm like, oh, this is great. Mm. I'm on with Gordon tonight, Cashman, tomorrow, mm. Holly House Steinbrenner. Oh, man. Unbelievable. All right, so let's start with Brian Cashman, shall we? Let's do it. So he was asked, are you happy with the team's offensive approach? I think that when you are struggling, you search for a lot, you tinker a lot. Sometimes you double down triple down until you can get through it but that's where trying I think as your support group your manager your coaches you know the level-headed side of this thing is, is that much more important you know experience does matter you know it's not their first rodeo meaning our you know veteran hitters so they understand the ebbs and flow of the game and how difficult it can be and am I happy with their approach I'm happy with their commitment I'm happy with their care and ultimately I know I'll be happy with their end results. But right now, obviously, we're struggling. We just got to fight through it. They're jamming at the stadium today, huh? Oh, they're partying <laughs> it up, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> got, you got to provide some life somehow, Larry. Those standing at bats aren't going to do it. <laughs> hey, they're moving and grooving up yeah, there. Yeah, sure. Why um, not? Listen, Brian, I hear what you're saying. They should hit better. Let me. Tr- that, that's what he's saying, right, Gordon? They should hit saying. better. They should be better. And the coaches are doing what they can to try to make them better. We just have to wait and see. We can't push the panic button. And we just, you know, typical Cashman, typical Cashman, but that's how he really feels. And Gordon, what else is he going to say? What is he going to say? You know what? I messed up. <laughs> I no, the, no that's fielder. never going to happen. No, of <laughs> I course. didn't get a left fielder. I blew it. Uh, you know, so I hear what he's saying. So it. Simply, he could have said, no, I'm not happy with the offensive approach. They're, they're, they're awful. <laughs> I would just simply ask him, outside of Torres, Stanton, and Rizzo, Bader just came back, so he's not really part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Who else are you expecting this major turnaround from? I'll tell you who it is. Who? It's Donaldson, and he was asked, "Can oh Donaldson be oh, a productive more bat? More trouble than I thought. <laughs> Could Donaldson be a productive bat for you? I'd like to get him some really consistent at bats before we try to, you know, assess what's going on. Obviously, last year he had a subpar offensive season, but prior to that, he's always been an above-average offensive player. This year, obviously, he got out of the gates looking good, and then uh, then he got hurt." And then he re-aggravated his injury. So he's been down for a long period of time. So I'd like to get him some runway here uh, where he can get some consistent bats and then get on a roll and be in a better position to judge. If he'd stay healthy, he'd have consistent at bats. I've se- Listen, I'm not a Yankee fan. I'll let you speak in a second, Gordon. I'm not a Yankee fan. I've seen enough of Josh Donaldson. I'm ready to put IK up at third and, I mean, and what DJ. Are, what are we talking about? No. He's been, he has been here 
not including tonight, 149 games he has played as a New York Yankee. He's hitting 215, and that's higher than what is this year. His on-base is 300. His slugging is 386. You got duped. You got taken, Brian Cashman. That's what happened. He, he is a shell of himself as a player. Expecting at this point Josh Donaldson to all of a sudden turn it around basically two years in here. I know he's been hurt a lot this year. For all the injuries and all Yankee fans complaining about injuries this whole season, I don't remember, Larry, maybe you did, ever taking a single call from any Yankee fan saying, man, if we could only get Josh Donaldson back. <laughs> Have you heard one of those calls? And we take crazy calls. We had a caller last night suggesting the lefty hitters try hitting righty. So they're not all great calls. But I didn't hear a single person bring up, you know who we need back? We need back Josh Donaldson. That's what's going to make it click. The only person who is still expecting Josh Donaldson to break out of it, unfortunately, is the person who is running the New York Yankees. Even Aaron Boone knows that ship has sailed. That is sailed, dude. That is sailed a long time ago. I thought that was great. I enjoyed that. <laughs> Donaldson could be a productive at. We got mm-hmm. to see a little bit more from him, Gordon. Larry, two years ago he was he he was an above average, above average offensive player. Yeah, well, guys hit the skids in their careers, right? Father yeah. time comes for all of us, and father time came for Josh Donaldson, it, it, right after he got traded to the Yankees. <laughs> I'm telling you, someone should print up a shirt about the Yankees. Often wrong, but never in doubt. They're wrong plenty, but they, they, they always know for sure. No, absolutely. This is, this is 100%. No, we know this for sure. Even when it gets proven wrong, everyone did not like the Donaldson move. I don't know that anybody thought that it was as bad as it was going to turn out to be. There was nobody that liked the move, though. Mm-hmm. And it's turned out to be a disaster. Disaster. He's been terrible. And you're paying him big-time money. And he's been terrible. And, and you know what the other part of it is? He's been terrible and he's had things where ordinarily you would figure the organization would call him out. Last year, when he was staring at home runs that turned out to be not home runs and get thrown out on the base paths. The other day, getting picked off the base. Eh, it's no big deal. Eh, it's all right. He's going to turn it around. It's all okay. There's, no, there's, there's nobody in that organization, apparently, who holds anybody's feet to the fire anymore. It's just, we'll just go along. Everybody, we're drawing as many fans as we're drawing. People are buying the tickets. People are buying the jerseys. So it's all okay. We're good. We're good. <laughs> you know, things happen. Yeah. What you do know, you want? Like, what can you do? We, we you traded do? for a 36-year-old uh, third baseman and it uh, turned out to be a disaster. But that. next no. time we'll trade for a pitcher who doesn't pitch. Who knew? Who knew, right? <laughs> <laughs> Who knew, Larry? <laughs> Who knew this was going to happen? And there's and look, there are moves. When, when Ben Attendee got hurt last year, bad break, right? Yep. Nothing you could do. He doesn't have a history of injury. Bad break. Trading for a 36-year-old Josh Donaldson, that's not one that you could not foresee. Trading for Frankie Montas when he was hurt before you oh. got him, got hurt when you got him. And trust me, when he got hurt, Yankee fans were thrilled because he was that bad when he was out there. That's not a surprise. Signing Rodon, who's always hurt, and now he's hurt here, not a surprise. All these things are not a surprise, but the only person who's, who, who knows better is Brian Cashman, apparently. Absolutely. I mean, 
come on, he wouldn't have made the trade if he knew it was going to be like this. No, no. See, but see, that's the thing. They always say, oh, even if I knew better, even if I knew that, no, I still would have done the same thing. It was the right move. Well, clearly it wasn't the right move. What are you talking about? But this is what we got. We got to win tonight, though. though. That's, that's all it. that matters, right? We won. That's right. We won You're on the row now. You won Yo, one in the row. Clearly. Look out. And you, this Seattle, and listen, you, you own Seattle anyway. It does seem that way, yeah. You know, Seattle came. I think Seattle came at the right time. What, what did I see now? You're, what did I see? Uh, and listen, we'll talk about it in a second, but your ace, once again, he was throwing small baseballs tonight, my friend. He looked he has been really working. good. Yep, absolutely. He has been sensational. Thank God he doesn't go down. If he ever goes down, oh, no. injury, shh, just, just shh. close up the windows and shut out the lights and we'll get come back no. next year. He, no, he's you, been fantastic. He's you got to knock on everything. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't get hurt. Yeah, he, he's been, he has been worth the money. He has been fantastic. And, and for all the criticism that he has gotten at times, really, that's a deal that you would absolutely make again. Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. 1-800-919-3776. When we return... Uh, we'll talk a little more. We'll hear a little bit more from Brian Cashman. Aaron Boone um, made a made a major mistake. Major mistake, Gordon. I, I'll tell you what it was next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Been through these wars enough. you got to deal with the ups and downs the same way. We've got a really good team when we're flying high and playing the way we're capable of. Right now we haven't been doing that. And so it looks bad, it feels bad, it tastes bad, and no one likes losing. So I understand why the fans are upset and not happy with how it's playing out. But there's a long way to go, and we intend to to make sure we do what's necessary to get where we need to be. Notwithstanding what we're going through right now, that's with the injuries and the the lack of performance, you know, in in some cases. Brian Cashman, why is not pushing the panic button here on 98.7 ESPN, Hardesty and Damer until midnight. And Gordon, listen, I understand he's not supposed to. Right. He's not supposed to push the panic button. What he is supposed to do is to and we still got a little time, as you keep mentioning, we got about a month is to get ready and start doing his due diligence to find ways to improve this baseball team. Whatever he can do to get some other bats in this lineup and and an everyday left fielder. That's what he's got to do. And and Gordon Suck, we talk, we say this every night. So to some fans, it's like, yeah, duh, we already know. But but that's. That's how you have to look at yourself as a front office person, right? And the only thing I would, for me as a fan, my only goal, my only desire for my front office is make the best move you can to improve the team I'm rooting for. And if you make a mistake, okay, don't sit there and live with the mistake. Move on. Try to get rid of that mistake and and try to overcome it as best you can and, and, you know, repair it. And so that's what he has a chance to do at the trade deadline this year. He's made some mistakes. There's no question that you look at the lineup the past couple of years, he's made some mistakes. He's got to do a better job at the trade deadline to try to correct the mistakes that he's made. And the the way you correct the mistakes is that you admit that you made mistakes, which is not exactly a strong point of the, the New York Yankees. They just keep rolling it out there and rolling it out there and rolling it out there. So I don't expect to see Josh Donaldson going anywhere. There's no solution for the Giancarlo Stanton problem. What, what, what would the solution be? He has to hit. He's going to play every day as long as he's healthy. Uh, the, the Aaron Judge problem is not going to be solved. Doesn't look like he's coming back anytime soon just yet. 
but and you have to hope that Brian Cashman has a better trade deadline this year than he's had really the last couple of years. Yeah. Well, he's due. <laughs> he certainly do. He's due to have a better one. And listen, the main thing he's got to do is he's Gordon, he's got to get a left fielder that's going to give him some production. I mean, even if you had that, it would lengthen your lineup substantially. Just well, that's that one why, move. Yeah, that's why getting Bader back is is so big is that he's yes. a he's an actual major league player. Mm-hmm. The Yankees yeah. don't have enough actual major league players in their lineup. I, look, I like Jake Bowers and, and, and what he's done. Uh, Billy McKinney was big tonight. But the, the, uh, uh, Willie uh, Calhoun. Yep. These are not major league players, and they play on a regular basis. And sometimes, and I, you could throw Josh Donaldson in there at this point. I mean, the guy's yeah. hitting 143 on the season. Yeah. yeah, and it's not exactly out of nowhere. He was bad last year, and he's worse this year which mm-hmm. is the trajectory for a guy who's 36, 37 years old. So the Yankees just have too many dead spots in their lineup. They do not have a good lineup. No, they don't. And they know they don't. And even though they may not admit it publicly, Gordon, I mean, Brian Cashman is not a dumb guy. He's looking at this lineup. He sees the weaknesses in it. He knows he's got to go out and do something. And I'm sure his boss knows <laughs> because – Hal Steinbrenner knows what's going on from a business standpoint, and he knows he's he's listening. He knows that the fans are not happy. He knows that the team is not producing, and so he, he he's going to let hey Brian get this fixed. So he will get it fixed. I don't know what he's going to do, Gordon, but he'll get it fixed. He's got well, to. he he'll do something. I think whether or not it fixes it, that's another question. So last season, I thought Aaron Boone on the Michael K show was excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you agreed with him or not, he gave you, you understood his thought process, right? So I thought he was excellent. And I thought that the guys treated him very fairly. Uh, this year he decided to not do the Michael K show, but he's doing a talking Yanks podcast. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one of the hosts on the talking Yanks podcast, uh, was not simpatico. He would not be good on answers with Aaron. Uh, listen to this debate with Talking Jake on certain situations that happened against the Red Sox. Going back to Red Sox series, it was the eighth inning. There was one out. Runners on second and third, so you no infield in because you're worried about giving up the lead on a single. Yanks end up losing that game in extras. And, and hey, we're home. I don't even think that one's debatable. It's a different team that I, I think your best chance is to cut off that run at home. In the top of the eighth inning with a loaded up bullpen against that, I disagree, like, not even a little bit. That's oh, and- just emotional in the moment. Like, it's the top of the eighth. We got two more times to come to the plate but the offense is also having a historically bad month okay if we give up a hit we're down and you lose the game anyway so that's where the discussion happens when we get done i want you to really reflect and dive into that and pause and close your eyes and think about that and go yeah i don't really see that one it's over a week later booney i've been reflecting when you manage the team you can bring them in in that situation see that's not answers with Aaron. That's not bringing people together. That's getting that's getting a little feisty. That's, that's not like being. I don't like being questioned. That's what no. that is. Yeah, yep. There's no other way to read that. No, doesn't like being now, questioned in the tough I, I hate to say this. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of agree with Boone in that spot, mm-hmm. but I don't like. Yeah, the response to it is not. You can't end it that way. No. When you get a team, you bring them in. Right. There's, you can't end it like that. Yeah, yeah big, big time. Well, you know, you know right. well, we, we agree to disagree, and you move on. That's all. Uh, but it's but it just goes to show you, Gordon, the stress that's going on there with the, with this team because they're not producing. 
And everybody's well, blaming him. <laughs> I, I wonder if sometimes the fact that it feels like the Yankees operate in like an echo chamber. Everybody's on the same page. Everybody's in agree. There's no disagreement here from, from the top to the manager, to the team, everybody's on the same page. There's no, the, the, there's no dissension of any kind. There's no second-guessing of any kind. Uh, everybody, there's no confrontation of any kind. I wonder if that works when you do get questioned. Maybe, that, maybe that's the reason why he, he kind of jumped at that answer a little bit when he got pushed. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's very unlike him uh, in terms of his typical kind of answers. It is. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen him, you know, turn some water over occasionally and, and bang a table. But this was a little this was a little feisty, as you mentioned. This was, uh, you know, not this was not the usual smooth talking Aaron Boone. Uh, Gordon, the Mets just lost to Houston by the score of four two. And what uh, Verlander is pitching better. So that's what I take away from it. And. You're going against Houston's ace, and he's very good. He's been outstanding this year so far. Mm-hmm. And But once again, I mean, he gave up four runs, really gave up three, two on the Bregman home run, gave up a, one, a, a, a kind of an insurance run in the eighth inning. I mean, in the seventh inning. You, you got to score runs, Gordon. Two runs is not going to get it done. And once again, I get that it's the – it's it's a pitching matchup. You got two really good pitchers. You lose that one, that's the way it goes. All right. So I can't I can't kill them because they won last night behind Scherzer. He pitched well. Verlander pitched okay. You gotta find ways to, to you know, you gotta find ways to, to get some runs when you got your two aces on the mound. Well, this is what we've been talking about with the Mets for a while. When they when they pitch, they don't hit. When they hit, they don't pitch. When when they hit and pitch, the bullpen lets them down, or the defense lets them down, or something else lets them down. Uh, having four hits on the night and two runs is is not going to cut it, as you said. Uh, and I will say this: uh, Verlander, you look at the final line; it doesn't look terrible. Uh, but I'm kind of expecting there to be a course correction. Mm-hmm. So he, he's pitched to a, an ERA of four and a half, basically, so far this year. I, I'm expecting him to roll off a stretch where he pitches to an ERA of two for mm-hmm. a month or so. And that yeah. is not this. And as we mentioned before, last night you got Scherzer to pitch like Scherzer. Now you need Verlander to pitch like Verlander. And you need him to do it back-to-back mm-hmm. for a good stretch of the season. Because if you don't get those two guys to pitch consistently, it's kind of hard to expect Kodai Singa or anybody else, uh, Carrasco, to be pitching consistently if the two guys who are making $43 million each aren't pitching consistently. So I get what you're saying. Verlander's line tonight doesn't look bad, but in a tie game, to give up the lead in that part, when, when this, is the t- we, this is when we need you. We, mm-hmm. need you to be, we need you to be Verlander, ace-like Verlander right now. Mm-hmm. And that has not been the case so far. So, um, and we're getting deeper into the season. We're getting close to the the halfway point of the season, and you've not yeah. seen it. And then you have to begin to wonder: Will you see it? Is is this mm-hmm. the new normal for him? That he's only going to be a guy that gives up most of the time. He's going to be a guy that gives you what seven innings, three runs. That that's that's what you're going to get from him now because. You know, this is the way he is. Is that a possibility? I mean, you start wondering about it. But John Smoltz was on the Michael K. show, and he said something that gave me a little hope, Gordon. Gave me some hope. We'll hear from the former Atlanta player next on 98.7 ESPN.
This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Anyone who thinks Scherzer and Verlander aren't going to be elite at the end of the year, if they're healthy, they just haven't been watching enough baseball. They're going to be fine. They're going to adapt. They're going to learn whether it's this new age pitch clock that's kind of bothered Max or at least outwardly has. But I just think they're too talented when they're healthy to make that not go away. Offensively, they're not doing the things they did last year. To me, that a surprise. I like their lineup on a day-to-day basis, but when you're not stringing together enough hits, even though you're not striking out a lot, which is what their lineup is, then that's a problem. And I think that is the issue that the Mets have. I know people are saying, you know, oh, they're showing their age or an older ball club. I'm still not ready to say that about the New York Mets. I still believe there's going to be a competitive second half. That's John Smoltz, who was on the Michael K Show today here on 98.7 ESPN, saying there's hope for the Mets in the second half. Hardesty and Damer until midnight. And Gordon, I guess he feels that, you know, Scherzer and Verlander will get things going and hopefully they'll make a couple of moves for the bullpen at the trade deadline and they'll help turn things around. Because right now, at 13 games out, you know, just ahead of uh, last place in the, in the East, it's not looking good, my friend. Well, the fact that he doesn't think it's hopeless is a good sign. Um, I don't think that most people think it's hopeless, but there needs to be a lot that goes right. I mean, they need a, a major change from Verlander and Scherzer. It can't just be that they learn and adapt and all the things that he was saying. They get, they have to be elite for stretches of the season. Again, this was not supposed to be the time they struggled. If you had questions about the Scherzer and the Verlander moves, it was, can those guys be elite at the end of the season when it matters most in October, this was not supposed to be the time that they're struggling. And it's not just enough for them to get turned around. There's a lot of other things that need to get turned around as well. There's a lot of pieces that need to fall into place for the Mets to get this turned around. Now, again, you really can't play your way out of it in the National League for a wild card spot. But at some point, the time is going to be of the essence. It's not yet, but... They, they need a lot of things to turn around, and it seems like there's not one area that they have solved. Yeah, they're, they're still struggling. Even tonight, uh, you know, we talked about their fielding and how that's got to improve. And, you know, uh, McNeil was a tough play, but he, you know, extended in at bat because you couldn't get to a ball that was in foul territory. And in Houston has a huge foul territory. Yes. <laughs> they, don't have a, they don't have a big left field, but they've got a huge – they got a huge foul territory. So, you know, it's, it's mistakes like that. Uh, Smoltz weighed in on the Yankees as well. Talked about what's happening with no judge. It's the Barry Bonds effect. Barry Bonds affected his lineup when he was doing what he was doing in a way that no other player in the history of the game in the modern era was doing it. Meaning a pitcher has to worry about the guy before and after him, and there's a carryover effect facing the Barry Bonds lineup. Same thing with Aaron Judge. There's a carryover effect to the pitching that's before and after. And when that guy is out of your lineup, you don't have that stress anymore. And so collectively, pitchers are going to pitch this lineup without Judge differently than they would with Judge. And so having him in the lineup has a stress effect to the pitchers in the game. And I think that's why he's so good. That's why he won the MVP last year and so important. There's no question about it. And Gordon, he doesn't have to tell you how sorely uh, Judge is missed in that lineup uh, just from, you know, what he brings to the table. No question. Uh, We've said it here repeatedly. It feels like other people are starting to catch on now. Why would anybody throw to Aaron Judge? Why would Mm -hmm. anybody pitch to Aaron Judge given the rest of the Yankee lineup? He's the one guy that can really wreck a game. So even when he comes back, his presence alone just 
it's so great that uh, maybe he can help impact it in, in certain ways, but I don't know why any any team would pitch to him when you take a, I don't know who's going to be like tonight. Josh Donaldson was hitting fifth. <laughs> like, mm. why would you? Uh, why would you ever pitch to, to, to the best hitter in the sport when the rest of the lineup looks like this if it continues to look like this? Yeah, you wouldn't. No, <laughs> no. But you know what? They haven't figured that out yet. Yeah. I'm a little surprised. I'm a little surprised. Yeah. 1-800-919-3776. Jose's in Brooklyn. Jose, start us off on ESPN New York tonight. Oh, good, good evening, Larry Legend and GD. How are you guys doing today? Jose, what's going on? Hello? Yeah, we got you. Okay, so for some reason I can't hear you, so I'm just going to get my point off real quick. I was at the Yankee game, and it was a pretty good game. You guys were right. Cole was fantastic. I really think that the pitching clock really helped him because it got rid of all the distractions that usually used to mess him up. So Mm. that's been great, and he's been phenomenal this year. I hope he keeps it up. Uh, Josh Donaldson's got to stop batting in that five hole. I mentioned it to the company, shout out to the company, and they all got a kick out of it because I'm like, there's no analytics in the world that's going to tell me Josh Donaldson should be batting this. I'm, 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 I'm sure that uh, it, it, I don't want to hear that he hits the ball well because there's a difference between Volpe, who's hitting the ball well and just hitting it at people, and Donaldson, who's just god awful. I, I, I just don't, I don't know what to say. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that, and thank you so much. All right, Jose, thanks for the phone call. Good job. I guess we'll have to get you some tickets to go back. <laughs> since you brought home a win while you were at the stadium. Absolutely. It's it's compartmentalized time. Uh, you, you, we need to do anything we can do to just win that game and, and hope that you can string enough of them together until Aaron Judge gets back. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, no, Josh Donaldson should not be hitting fifth. There's no question about it. And you are correct. There is no – I don't think there is a metric that would tell you that he would hit fifth. <laughs> the other day he was hitting third, Larry. Yeah. Well, at least they moved him down. <laughs> I would have hit him 11th. I think I would hit him 11th right now. <laughs> right I mean, that is so clear that they don't uh, – like, how could you possibly continue to play him? Uh, I don't I mean, know. It's, it's ridiculous. As bad as LeMayhew is, and LeMayhew's bad. LeMayhew looks finished. He looks worse now. If he's not hurt, he looks worse now than when he was hurt last year. But I don't know why you – he gives you more than Donaldson does. Absolutely. At least he makes contact. Yeah, it's it's rough. It is. It really is. It really, really is. When we return, Gordon, let's talk a little Knicks, shall we? Let's do it. Uh, we've got some – you know, the, the draft is Thursday, and the trade rumors are – Gordon, woo! The trade rumors are <laughs> swirling, my friend, swirling. I would say, based on what I've read – uh, if you have an Obi Toppin jersey, I don't know. You you might have to <laughs> trade it in because soon I don't know to be a collector's item. It's soon to be a collector's item. We'll Woo! discuss it next on ninety eight seven ESPN. This is ESPN New York tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on ninety eight point seven ESPN. Gordon, we've talked about just how many rumored players are coming to the Knicks. Yes. But but the one consistent thing has been who's involved in these trades, <laughs> and that's been Obi Toppin. And so there was an article in uh, 
in yesterday's Daily News, there's an article in the uh, by Stefan Bondi. There's an article today by Steve Popper in Newsday. And both articles tell you different things, right? One of them is that Toppin really kind of was hoping he was going to be traded at the trade deadline during the season because he's been unhappy with his how he's been used and so on and so forth. And you, you understand how a player could be, you know, disenchanted by not getting a lot of a lot of minutes. Uh, you know, feeling that the more he played, the better he would be. And Gordon, we can agree that he didn't always make the best of his minutes when he when he played, but he did the best he could. And there were some things that he really needed to work on. Offensively, listen, he's athletic. He he runs the floor on the break, but Gordon, he needs to improve his footwork defensively, and he needs to be a little better rebounder. So these are things that you know he would probably you know, hope to improve on and would argue, well, if I played more, I would give you, show you that I can improve on those things. But the thing of it is here that he is eligible for a contract extension before the season. And if they don't give him the extension before the season, which they don't have to, they, they risk the chance of losing him as a free agent, which means they would get nothing for him. So he's one of the reasons why you constantly, that's one of the reasons why you see his name constantly involved in these, in these trade rumors. So they've got him going to Indiana. He could be going to Phoenix, uh, not Phoenix, uh, Portland. He could be, he's rumored to be going in a number of different trades, a number of different places. And so what's intriguing to me is if they are going to move him and where there's smoke, there's fire. Are they moving him for a bench piece? Are they, are they moving him to, uh, package him with some draft choices for uh, obviously he doesn't have the cachet to give you a big name player clearly, but is he part of a package with other people and draft choices to try to give you somebody who can help you a little bit more than what he's able to help you? That That's the big question because once again, according to the articles, GMs around the league view him as a, low first round. Now he was number eight for the Knicks, mm -hmm. but they view him as a low first round pick. Uh, and the Knicks have some second round picks. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see what I'm curious to see what other teams view him, how they view him and what he will, he bring back in return. Yeah. I find it interesting because you hear a lot of things that are different uh, and the one similarity is that Obi is going to go somewhere, which would seem to make sense because if Obi Toppin is ever going to be his best version of him, it doesn't feel like it's going to be with the Knicks. Mm -mm. It's the road is blocked with Randall being there. They're not moving Randall without moving Randall. It's going to be hard for Toppin to get consistent minutes. He's never really been able to get consistent minutes. Uh, so I think the, the best thing for him He's more valuable to someone else than I think that he would be have value to the Knicks. Now, I just wonder, are you moving him for a player or are you moving him for a pick? I've heard a lot of people say that or a lot of reports that if the Knicks want to get into the first round, Obi Toppin would be the piece that they would move or, or maybe part of a package that they would move depending on where they would go in the first round. It's, that one is puzzling to me because do the Knicks need to get younger <laughs> you know what I mean? Like well, to to go where in the first round that they see a piece in the first round, it feels like they don't need more youth. They need somebody to come in and 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 give you immediate production. They don't need to be playing that game of 
uh, of, of bringing in a young piece, and then is, is Tibbs going to play him? Is he not going to play him? He's going to fall into the doghouse because he struggles as a rookie. Is he over looking over his shoulder because of the minutes and and all that type of stuff? So it'd be interesting. I know the Pacers are a name that has come up. It seems like a repeatedly. Lot. When it yeah. comes to Toppin. So they have some interesting pieces. They have some interesting young talent. They have some, I think they have a bunch of draft picks. So we shall see. It, it seems like if the Knicks are going to do something, almost certainly that OB is going to be part of it. Pacers on the 26th and 29th picks. So are the Knicks trying to get into the first round? Because that would allow them to have a first round pick this year and a second round pick that they could use in a trade. Yeah. Maybe that's what they're trying Maybe. to do yeah. to have a this year straight because there might mm-hmm. be a team that's like, okay, I want those picks because there's somebody I want in the first round. Oh, well, they could easily go to Indiana, right? <laughs> and say, yeah. hey, Indiana, you know, this is what I want. So maybe there's something that the Knicks have cooking. If they get if they get a first round pick, then maybe they that will enable them to do what they need to do to to try to improve this team. Maybe that's the thought process. Maybe it's it's tough. It seems clearly tough to know what the Knicks are looking at. The fact that they are so tight-lipped and um, there's a lot of different directions they could go. It doesn't really feel like anybody's been able, even with all the different news people and 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 scoop people and and Woj looking at things and everybody else looking at things. All the interest that is in the NBA offseason, it doesn't really seem like anybody has a good uh, a good feel just yet for where the Knicks are looking to go. Yeah. And what's so interesting, too, is, Gordon, that in both these articles, they feel that the Knicks are definitely going to be active in trying to make moves before before the draft or on draft day, that they are really working on trying to improve this team, which is good. All right. You, that's what you want to yeah. hear. Yes. Right. That's really what you want to hear. The, the only question you have is, OK, what are you looking at? <laughs> Who are you trying to bring here? Mm-hmm. Because. You know, we said it last night, Gordon. They've had mixed results in the in the trade the tr- trade free agent thing. You know, they've they've had some really good deals, Brunson Hart, and they've had some ones that you're like, ish. <laughs> so that's the thing. Now, uh, so it's, it's just interesting. It's just interesting to see uh, what they're going to do by Thursday. Yeah, um, and and you just wonder what's not being reported. Because uh-huh. it always feels like the, the ones that get reported get reported for, for forever, right? right? We've heard about Dame Lillard getting traded forever. We've heard about Bradley Beal getting traded forever. And then all, every once in a while, there's a guy that gets traded just completely out of the blue. Uh-huh. And, and you wonder if the Knicks – I mean, that's kind of the hope when you have Leon Rose that right. because of his being a former agent, he has these connections and everything. I guess you saw that with, with Brunson because of the uh-huh. connections there. And, and I guess to a certain degree, they, they did that with, with Hart too. But – well, we'll see what uh, ends up coming down the pike uh, on draft night because it's a very int- it's a very interesting offseason for the Knicks and and one that could go in a lot of different directions. That Brunson move was kind of like a college move, right? We get the kid, we get the player, and and the dad comes too. <laughs> Look, does they have any more kids? I'll take I'll take the mom if they, if they have any more of them. I mean, that would be fantastic. She could be a coach. We referenced Julius Randle on the podcast with Paul George uh, talking about handling the New York media and fans. But he also discussed one we didn't share with you last night, Gordon, on the impact of Jalen Brunson. And this is what Julius Randle said, how Brunson helped the Knicks and his game. But JB just made the game so much easier. And I wasn't relied on every single possession to make plays. And that trust 
just trust each other out there. Was that quick? It was y'all at one. a point. Y'all was at a point where y'all was a top pick and roll combo. It was day one. I don't know if it's about like a lefty thing, yeah. but like we just know <laughs> just chemistry. What we kick. trying to get to, yeah. and like we know how to help each other out in those situations. It was just like instantly like chemistry. And the crazy thing about it is like we can get a lot better, bro. Mm-hmm. Get a lot better, right? Yeah, y'all only one year in. Yeah, so it's like I'm excited to see how I keep going. Uh, so where are you looking to improve, Julius? I'm all about efficiency, bro. So for me, it's efficiency. Like, how can I? Like, I look at and I take examples. Like, I look at I look at you, or I look at a guy like, for instance, Jimmy. Like, Jimmy for me is a great example of somebody who c- continues to get better. Mm-hmm. How does Jimmy go from you know being a 46 percent shooter to you know a 53, 54, mm-hmm. more efficient, less shots, whatever it is, right. you know, type of player? So I always try to look at like, how can I be more efficient. Start out with working on your dribble in the offseason. The, you know what I'm saying, Gordon? Work on your dribble in the offseason. Yes. That's how you could be more efficient because teams know that you struggle with your handle, and so they they dive at it and pick at you all the time. So it's it's being more efficient with your handle and also being more decisive. You look at Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler knows where everybody is on the floor for Miami. They have a great chemistry. They understand where people are. They know where his teammates are. And so he'll pick and choose where he wants to go. And then they also, Gordon, move. They don't have ISO, all right? Randall still does too much ISO. So that's the, those are the reasons why and things he needs to improve on if, he, if he's looking at what Jimmy Butler does. Uh, and maybe putting some effort into the defensive effort, that might also help too. A little bit, just a little bit, just a little mm. bit of extra time. If he has a little bit of extra time, a little, you know, focus on the 48-minute effort on both sides of the ball kind of <laughs> approach type you of thing. Bob. He's got plenty of time to work on his defense. Yes. <laughs> he he got a really does. He does, especially with this head coach. 1-800-919-3776. We get your thoughts on what you think the Knicks will do and should do on draft night next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.